Uh, joining me and Steve today on the Pocket Mastermind podcast, we've got Carl Lilrude. Did I pronounce that correctly? I hope so. Yeah, actually, quite good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, long-time entrepreneur, uh, business coach, mentor, two-times TEDx speaker, um, ice swimmer, I've also seen, uh, a little bit crazy, and also author of uh, four books, um, of which we'll talk about the latest one today. Um, Carl, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you Thanks very much for coming to join us. Um, so yeah, give us a little bit of a background. There's, a, there's an awful lot to um, talk about in that long list of an intro. Uh, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so we better pick something rather yeah, than see, trying well, to I, cover I, it I all. See, yeah, I, I see you've been, a, you've been an entrepreneur since the age of 16. I'm quite interested to talk about how, how that became, how you got started there really, where a lot of kids obviously go straight from school into you know, maybe higher education and uh, into some kind of job cycle. Uh, and you obviously took a slightly different path. So I'd be interested to understand uh, the, the starting point of all of that, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the greatest difference is that I started the job cycle quite early. Um, and and the Was simple answer... School or? Sorry? Was that by what were you, were you working uh, while at school or? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I started my company, the first company when I was 16. Right. And um, uh, so, so I was working with that company when I was not uh, in school, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the, the simple question. What doing? Uh, so the company I was running was an IT consultant company. And we helped organizations with their IT needs. Uh, and this is back in 1996. Uh, IT needs was quite limited, but the problems were rather complex because the, the IT infrastructure wasn't really designed for every, uh, for all, all type of users. And at that particular time, there was not that many people working within the IT field. So when I, when I approached my clients and said that I could help them with basically anything, they were quite happy with that. And I got more and more clients and um, and larger and larger organizations were contracting me. So that's where it all started. How did you come to know so much about networks at that young age? Mm, Just spending and a ridiculous amount of time playing with all these different setups on my own and with right. my friends. So uh, a true nerd, so to say. Uh, and uh, I spent my weekends carrying uh, computers on buses and trains with my friends just to connect them for a couple of hours. And then uh, we had to carry everything back again. So mm-hmm. no help from, fa- from uh, parents or anything. It's like, they just told us, like, yeah, if you want to carry all your, all your stuff through uh, the entire <laughs> Stockholm, then that's up to you guys. But uh, we won't help you. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lesson in there somewhere. All the kids were out hanging around the park and you, you guys were carrying computers across Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're not talking about laptops here. We're talking about like, no, no, you no, have this desktop no. that's like 25 kilos and then you have uh, a large screen that's like 40 kilos. <laughs> like, <laughs> crazy. How on earth did you carry that stuff around? Yeah. 
just imagine like four four or five boys getting on on a bus with and everybody's just trying to help each other out carrying this monitor <laughs> probably look like you stole the stuff yeah was there um was it extra hard to get into companies being so young was there um yeah being 16 was it difficult to convince large organizations to trust you with their network or would you say that possibly then that industry was quite young at that time so actually you may have been best placed for it being young and teaching yourself technology yes it was a problem when they asked how old i was right so some did not ask uh, and they just like okay so this is like a consultant company and this is a consultant that is going to help us out uh, and and some therefore did not ask if i was running the company or if i just was like an employee um, and also uh, as as i understood their situation and could actually uh, explain how to solve the problem straight away they sort of trusted my ability based on the knowledge that I shared with them straight away. And how long were you then running that business for? I was, I was running that business till 2002. And then I started another business, uh, which was uh, the first e-commerce site in the Nordic countries, uh, like Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, uh, which were selling interior design products online. So that was another very, very interesting business where I learned a ton of things because e-commerce at that stage was basically just books and CDs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, people didn't really trust internet because uh, they there was many things that, that didn't work as, as good as it should. And that's been improved since then. Um, but the, the challenge that I saw or that we experienced when we were starting this company up was that the suppliers, they didn't get what we were doing whatsoever. And like, yeah, okay. So we, when we approach a supplier, they said, yeah, okay. So we take orders over a cup of coffee. And I told them, no, we're going to like automate that uh, we have an automated order procedure where we will send you an email and uh, and then you just pick and pack that order and send it to our customer. And they're like, email? Uh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> this was really this is really early days of drop shipping, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But but then I follow up with because I, I had that response from so many suppliers there, like, okay, so so if you don't have an email address, we can send it by fax. <laughs> and they're like, fax? What's that? <laughs> you, you got caught somewhere between the 2000s and the 80s, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so they were back to what, what they started off with. And like, yeah, we take orders over a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess the, the, your, the experience with the previous business and, and setting up of all of you know other people's infrastructure was probably beneficial towards setting up that business an e-commerce business and and connecting with suppliers and, and and that kind of thing yeah definitely and also at that young age actually being able to talk with with the, the ceos and so on at the companies that i was uh, helping with their it needs at first that helped me to to be 
able to express myself in a good way when I met with these uh, suppliers at the later stage. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I were confident in, in how to speak with them and also uh, confident about uh, our product and our offering, like the system behind it and, and the structure and the process and everything. And, and I could dig into whatever detail they want to know more about. What, what led you to move from the first business to the second business? I was, uh, I was moving from London to Sweden because uh, I was going, I, I moved to London first uh, okay. where I met my wife and then we decided uh, to move back to Stockholm. And uh, by doing so, we also reason, realized that the, the, the possibility to find some really nice design furniture in Stockholm mm-hmm. was quite limited. And I looked into the market and realized that, okay, so if I want to import something, the product will not um, cost, or the shipping will not cost that much more if I actually import two, three, or four of the same item. Mm-hmm. So couldn't I just sell the other items and make some money on that that would actually pay for the item that I wanted? And that's where it all started because I wanted some nice design furniture for for our apartment what happened to the first business did you sell it or did you just no, it, it? Uh, it sort of uh, faded out into me working with larger and larger organizations and uh, and at what one point i was working for one client only uh, full-time and and then it was at one point they told uh, told all the consultants that they would fire all consultants and just work with employees so it was uh, at one stage quite easy for me to just uh, jump on on the on the train and and see what else I would like to do. I'm always uh, on that train, trying to figure out new things to do and just challenging myself. Uh, so it wasn't that I was giving up on the previous business. It was it was more that I wanted to do something more with my life and mm-hmm. try yeah. something else out. Get that? Yeah, I think you got you got to keep uh, reinventing somewhere along the line, otherwise. You know, one lifetime, it might not be the longest time period, but for, for one person to do the same thing over and over again, as used to be the more of the common case, I think uh, it's not, not necessarily up my street for sure. Yeah, and there's more to life. I mean, yeah. we now know that we can do so much more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there are some people that believe in, in making use of every, every hour or every waking hour of their, of their day. And there are some people that believe that a job is somewhere you go to make a, a living and then you can use that money to do something that you like. Mm-hmm. But why would you waste most of your time doing something that you dislike yeah. just to do something you like? Why don't mix it and do something you like all the time? Completely agree. I think uh, there's a a line from Alan Watts, I quote Alan Watts quite often, he says um, to, to, to spend your time doing something you don't like doing, to go on living doing something you don't like doing is stupid <laughs> and it, yeah. it's absolutely true, <laughs> why, why are you literally just sustaining yourself to continue to be unhappy, you might as well, uh, that doesn't make a great deal of sense at all. When you yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, I still respect the people that decide that they don't want to do something more inspirational during their uh, work hours. Uh, it's just not 
the way I want to do it. Indeed. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of the reason we started this podcast and the Pocket Mastermind and uh, and speaking to people like yourself is I think there are a lot of people that really would rather do something else but don't really know don't really know where to start you know entrepreneurship isn't a, isn't something that's taught and I think people who naturally lean in that direction uh, more than others end up picking it up like yourself um, at a young age and then it becomes a way of life and I think for most of us we're kind of conditioned into the go to school get an education get a job uh, and then at some point further down the line um, we think hang on this isn't really what we wanted to do this isn't what we signed up for we want to do something else and then the leap seems much bigger and much scarier particularly you know you, you get to a point where you might have family and mortgage and all the rest of it and it becomes much harder I think psychologically to make the the jump from what's perceived as security into a more unknown starting from scratch kind of position yeah definitely and and that is what I do as a as a mentor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak quite much about uh, the people that are entrepreneurs, as I call them, mm-hmm. uh, people that want to become entrepreneurs. And um, most people are in that stage, but most people are also in the stage that you described that they are actually they're so tied up by all the routines and and just making up for for just making everything work in their everyday life. Like, okay, there's all these activities that the kids needs to go to, and then I need to go to the grocery store and so on and so on. Uh, so they don't find the time to do the things they really like. They're just trying to deliver on all these expectations. And then they get all ta- tangled up in other people's expectations and lose track of their own expectations. What did I expect out of my life? And what is it that I actually wanted to do? Or that might change. What is it that I want to do today? Mm-hmm. Or what is it that I want to get out of this year? And most people don't have that mindset whatsoever because we are sort of taught from school that we just are made to follow some sort of leader. And the leader could be our parents, it could be your boss, it could be the leader of the country or someone else. There is always a leader and you will not be taught to be the leader. That's so true. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and, and that, that creates a, an amazing complexity when you want to become a leader. <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. you decide that I, I want to lead my own life, I want to decide on my own what I want. And, and you're sort of not allowed to do it that way by the society. Mm-hmm. So from your own personal perspective, did uh, more of your friends take a uh, an entrepreneurial route or you kind of more of the odd one out from your, your friend group back at that time? My friends chose other ways of, uh, of finding what they want to do, but I think almost all my friends tried to pursue their happiness, so to say. Mm-hmm. They tried to, uh, to not just get into the routines and just do what everybody else were doing. They actually tried to find their own path. And, and most of my friends actually chose different paths, which is, which is kind of interesting. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, but I chose the entrepreneurial path uh, much more than than my friends there to do so. That, quite interesting that they w managed to be able. They managed to follow something that they were interested in and passionate about. Because I think sometimes that can be the the challenge. You know, Steve has written about this on a, a post on our site. But quite often when you try and do something different within a you know, a societal group or a family or something, it's it, it's not always met with the encouragement you would hope for or expect um, because, yeah. you know, often people subconsciously, and I don't think, they, you know, most people aren't don't mean to, to, to do this, but they tend to hold the people around them back so that everybody stays, you know, in a, in a safe environment. And if you start doing something different, um, it, it can sometimes, you know, threaten other people's own identities i think and and that's that's the reason i asked that question was it interesting at a particularly young age when you go down an entrepreneurial route you know how do your friends that maybe follow then the more traditional path i call it traditional path in in modern society how they then you know kind of react and, and view that and whether they they're supportive or you know um, encouraging or, or doubting that kind of thing i have sort of always followed my own path um and that's connected to many things during in, during my time in school and, and so on. Uh, especially in the, that I'm dyslexic and I didn't really fit into the, the school system in, in that sense. I mean, it was very difficult for me to just memorize things without really understanding them. So I was always digging into the details of things to actually understand why they were the way we were taught that they were. Uh, which is quite, kind of interesting because according to me, if you're told how something is and you are not allowed to question it, then you're not really taught how it's it, how it is. You're actually just told how it is. Mm -hmm. So I was more into teaching myself, so to say, or just trial and error and just failing and failing and failing until I actually understood what it was and how to use whatever it is. But at that stage, I also knew about different methods to achieve the same goal or achieve a goal higher than the one that, uh, that was possible to reach by following the, the method that was taught to us. And that is where my entrepreneurial mindset started mm -hmm. by realizing that the world is not always as we're told it is. Just realizing that I can actually choose my own path. I can actually do things in different ways to reach the same goal or another goal. Did that make for a pretty frustrating uh, school life? Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> no, I, I mean, as a child, I thought I was stupid because I, as, as we always compare ourselves with others, mm -hmm. um, I was obviously comparing my scores and my, my grades with all my friends and when they went home to do a homework and I did the homework and spent the same amount of time and they just went back and, and they got an A on the test the other day and I couldn't remember like one thing from whatever I read because whenever I read it, it said different things because the words were just jumping around or I didn't see the logic in it and so on. So definitely from, right. yeah, from, from that point of view, for a child, obviously, the, the easiest way to explain it is black or white. 
okay, either I'm smart or I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And as I don't deliver as my friends, then obviously I must be stupid. That's, it's, it's very sad, but I believe that there's so many children out there that have the same type of experience. Because in the beginning, it's right or wrong. We, we're, everything we're, we're learning is right or it's wrong, and there's nothing in between. And we're also all put through exactly the same system, regardless yeah. of what your your aptitude or where you, where your strengths and weaknesses lie. You know, you can't all we can't all fit into a Victorian uh, education system and expect to come out the other end. Yeah, um, all exactly the same. We're all to, so vastly different as people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you touched on a little bit uh, a little bit ago. Uh, around your mentoring and and the entrepreneurs how do you work with people who are you know maybe really what would like to be going down an entrepreneurial path but are not able to for you know let's say fear reasons it may be um, um, but basically because they're in the routine of, of of a current of their existing life and it and it it's perceived to be quite difficult to to break away and do their own thing yeah um at first you need to sort of understand where you come from mm-hmm. um, and understand what it is that you long for, where, what you dream of and, and so on. And many of us are in a situation where we have this underlying desire or, or need to actually test our own boundaries. Like, okay, if I want to build a house, can I do it on my own? Or do I actually need to hire a contractor and and let them do all the job? And in most situations, people would probably tell you that, no, you should not build your own house. Uh, Because in in reality, they don't dare to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of answering the question if they should build their own house. They're not answering your question if you should build your own house. Because they don't know all your abilities and, and they don't know how much money you have in the bank and what, what knowledge you have about all these details. And if you might have spent all the nights just reading up on how to build a house, they're answering the, the simple question, is it possible for him or her to build a house? Mm-hmm. And, and just to protect themselves from a possible failure, they answer by heart, and like, no, I think this would be painful and therefore I should say no. Okay, I should not build a house. No, you should not build a house. Is there a reply? Yeah. Which is kind of bizarre because it's not it's it's so far from from what what we need. We need the encouragement. We need uh, our uh, we need the people around us to support us in in these uh, dreams and adventures that we are pursuing and to actually learn more about ourselves and our abilities and also to challenge ourselves i mean what is life without challenges indeed why did you go into like mentorship is it just to challenge yourself and what was the why not just you know sail off into the sunset and you know why help other people yeah so it's actually sort of a full circle story uh, with me starting my first company helping organizations uh, to solve their their problems and then that evolved into me building up my own organization trying to 
build a, a really big business on, online. And then as I did that, I learned that there was quite a few companies that had the problems or starting to have the problems that I had many years ago when I built up that organization. Uh, so I got back to helping organizations with their expansions and, and uh, the needs of uh, the needs of uh, converting their business to online. Again, as a consultant, I started to help organizations more and more to figure out how they could make more money with what they had, basically, and to organize and to look at their bottlenecks, their problems, and the things that was holding them back. And I'd done that for some really, really impressive organizations over the years. And at one point, I realized that I wanted to do something more. I just, I didn't just want to help organizations. I wanted to help people as well. So I started to work more as a keynote speaker, which led me to be invited to speak on a TEDx stage two times. Um, and from the audience, people came, came to me after the presentations and asked questions. And after a while, they started to ask if, if I could be their mentor and guide them through their, the situations they were stuck in and, and to actually figure out how they could get more out of their life. So that is where, where the circle is starting to close. But at one point, I also realized that working as a consultant, I reach a certain type of people. And working as a speaker, I reach another type of people. But I would, if I were to write some books, I would reach even more people. And that's where I felt that even though I'm dyslexic, I really like to share my life story and my challenges and how I actually managed to, to solve all these situations so that I can inspiring and encourage people to do more. And that is what mentorship is all about, to not tell people straight away how to do it, but actually to, to inspire and educate and also point them in the right direction instead of just saying, this is the solution to your problem. And what was the experience of the first experience of writing like as you say being dyslexic what how did how did you approach that I mean, i've personally never written a book um i'd probably like to at some point but um my my ideas jump all over the place so i need probably need somebody to help tame them um yeah <laughs> into a yeah. book because if i wrote it it'd be all back to front of the, all over the place to be honest but I'd yeah be... and uh that's that's probably how it is for me as well um and i write quite much about how I actually chose to write the, the book that I'm just about to publish. The previous books was much simpler. The, there's two entrepreneurship books and there's one book about the keynote speaking industry and how to organize better speaker events because in the speaker industry, there's quite often a brand new team for every event. And these people have not worked together. They don't have the experience of how what's needed and so on and so on. So for these events, there's things that can be done in a better way, in a more structured way. And if you haven't done it a couple of times and you have no clue about what's, what's best and how to get more out of that in particular event that you're organizing. And this fourth book is about me. Mm -hmm. It's a very honest book about all the questions that I was carrying around on my shoulders that was actually holding me back 
that was sort of slowing me down because my mind was occupied with all these things that popped up in my head like yeah okay so why am I always choosing my own path why am I always struggling in these situations or why am I in handling particular people in particular ways and, and stuff like that like all these questions that I think most of us are actually struggling with mm-hmm. or maybe not struggling with but we we do have these questions and if you don't start by looking at the question, then you're actually just repeating the question over and over again. Because at the first time where the question popped up in your head, you probably didn't have the answer because it was at a a younger age. It was at the time where you didn't have the same life experience as you have now and so on. So even though you have learned the answer to the question, you have actually not figured out how to add one plus one equals two sort of. Mm-hmm. And so the book is about all these situations I've been in in my life and, uh, and how that shaped me into the, the person I am today. But instead of just writing like a memoir, I wrote it as a guidebook of, with a set of tools to help the reader translate the situations I've been in to their own situations. So each chapter is opening with a question and then uh, some findings and thoughts around that particular question, followed by some examples and then a method. And this method is where you convert the situation to your own. And and as you mentioned about uh, how to write a book and how to structure a book, this is where it all started. I started in a mind map, just writing down my questions. And when I wrote down the questions, I realized that I actually had the answers to most of the questions. So as I was starting to write the answers, some questions got connected Mm -hmm. and I saw how they relate to each other and how they sort of solved the third question. And so it went on and on and on. And after a while, I realized that, okay, so I, I am the person that was holding me back. And I decided that this finding is something that I need to share with more people because I spent quite much time on, on my own trying to figure it out. And I have been in situations where I met with some really smart people over the years. And some of them choose to keep the experiences to themselves. Mm-hmm. They are not probably not trusting that uh, the experience that they have had is of interest to other people. But I know that if I, at a younger age, would have been given this guidebook, so to say, it would have helped me immensely and it would have uh, made me stronger in these uh, difficult situations. The thing I find really interesting is, that, you know, as you refer to it, as the only thing holding you back was you. And yet, you know, you look at quite a long list of achievement when uh, I introduced you. Um, and that's why I think, you know, part of what we talked about when we launched Pocket Mastermind was helping people to um, break out of whatever box they're currently in. You know, and that could be anything from um, underprivileged situation growing up to middle class to anywhere you are currently. And I think what you've just talked about there illustrates it perfectly that, you know, to some people, they'll be looking up, uh, up to you and saying, my God, he's done, he's done so much yet you still have a view that you know that you haven't achieved everything you could have done that you've been holding yourself back and actually this tool has helped you then to move forwards and 
I think it can then be applied to people in all different situations um, to help move forwards because we are what holds our holds each other back ultimately we can we can point to other stuff but i think it is it is us um and and having tools to be able to identify what it is within us and so that we're able to move forward is um is very very helpful yeah definitely and and at one point we need to decide if it's actually if we're living the life that we want to live and most people will be in one situation in their life when they feel that they are not living the life they want to live. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps they make some drastic adjust, uh, adjustments that is not the right ones. Like, for example, they get divorced and they have children and, and things will just get in a state where they try to find themselves and what they want to get out of life. But they don't know where to start. So they start with the things that they think is the problem. But in the beginning, it was because they didn't choose themselves at the first state. And therefore, they can't, they're in a, in a situation where, where all their life has just been to follow what other, other people say. And yeah, that, and, and, and like you say that, then manifests itself in a variety of ways and i think that's where a lot of um consumerism comes from right you're trying to uh, fill whatever that void is and like you say you know further down the line you might try and make drastic changes in your life that maybe aren't the solution or even you know or the cause to to where you find yourself and it might just be down to the fact that you're not happy spending your time doing what you're doing yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that sort of summarizes it all. You should always do what makes you happy. Of course, there will be situations where you need to do something, mm -hmm. but you should not have your life structured around all these things that you need to do. You should have your life uh, with things that you need to do, but the base should be things that you want to do. And, and to many people, it's very difficult, uh, and it's yeah. easy to hear me say it, but, uh, but that is what the mentorship and, and the book is all about. Like tiny steps to show yourself that you can make changes to your life and, and find, find ways to get more out of your everyday situation. It's not about making these drastic changes. It's, it's about um, building a house brick by brick. I think that's a, that's it's hugely important because you know when I speak to people, the one thing that becomes quite clear is most of us don't have a, a you know a vision of what our life, what we wanted our what we want our lives to look like. We've got a feeling that it might not be what you know what we have now might not be what we're after. But when you really drill into it and think, well, what is it we do want? Um, I don't think we're particularly good at, at building long-term visions and goals for for what what our lives should look like. Kind of we kind of move in fairly short-termist, um, kind of reactionary ways. I think from school onward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually preparing uh, the next TED talk, the third one, mm -hmm. which is going to be about the education system and how how we're by following the old education or the current education system are causing a huge problem for the younger generation 
as we are now developing AI, which is not following the same set of rules. Because in the education system, we're taught all these rules. Everything is based on rules. It's as, as we just uh, talked about, it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, while we educate AI without rules and just a scoring platform. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we want you to achieve this goal. It's up to you to achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. And you can receive this many points if you reach to that particular point. Okay, great. And then the AI start to test itself, try, trying all these ridiculous methods and eventually finding one method that lead to the goal, mm-hmm. but knows that it can actually receive more points if it keeps on going and finding another method. And eventually it finds another method that will get it a little bit more points. And then it uh, split those ideas or methods up in two pieces, trying to connect those methods and try to inspire, be inspired by them and try to figure out what other ways there are to get more points and so on. So this is sort of uh, the entrepreneurial way. Okay, I want to do something. I don't, know re- I don't really know how, but I think this will help people. And I will test and test and test again until I reach the method, the tool, the product, or whatever it is that people want. Because I, even though I know what I want to do, it doesn't mean that that particular thing is what people want. And that's the greatest problem with the education system. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, what you just described there and is really how human history evolved up until we ended up with this, you know, current education system, the yeah. factory, for, factory for humans, as it, as it kind of were, because... That's exactly how we evolved was, oh, we need to try and do this. You know, we, uh, dragging something on the ground isn't great. Let's make something round that rolls and, and from there and there and, you know, iteration, iteration, iteration. And the reward for us was progress. Yeah. Um, and now we've kind of, we've kind of lost that. And you look at more developing countries, entrepreneurship is the norm. And then that starts to get phased out with economic growth. You, know, you look at India, for example, and China, you know, India in particular, where everyone earns their own income pretty much until large organizations have gone there. And now university graduates are, are working in contact centers, whereas previously there would have been a lot of family, family-run business and entrepreneurship was just the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and if we look at the education system, it's sort of built around uh, the old model where you're sort of born into a state like in India, where you, the old caste system, which yeah. is uh, now not allowed any longer, but it's still available. It's, so, it's the same thing in the rest of the world, if yeah. you look back. Okay, so that is the boy of the factory owner. He won't be working on the factory floor. He will yeah. be working uh, by leading the factory. But the education system it's, is built around making sure that he has all the employees he needs to make the factory work in the best possible way yeah and, and and that kind of work is is disappearing right the yeah you look how fast technology has moved on in the last you know 15 years which is you know only a school kid's journey through school and you go yeah. you know, the day they start to the day they leave you could have a completely different environment yet the education system is still from you know 1850 or something so it's hugely outdated i'll be really interested to see your um your talk about that yeah, 
yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting, and uh, and uh, some people might not really like it, but uh, it's more of an eye opener for the people that uh, don't really understand the challenges that the next generation will have as a result of AI. Yeah, I think it's really insightful. We should talk about the name of your book. We did discuss the book. Yeah. So the name is Hacking Your Destiny. Uh, and uh, and it's connected to all this that uh, that all of us know about that we have a destiny and, and it's sort of written in the stars what we are and what we what we will do in our life. But uh, according to me, it's more of uh, a possibility, and then it's up to you to either make it to that point or to figure out what it is that you believe you can do. To, do more of your life and, and what you can do to get the most out of your capacity. Mm -hmm. I think it's really good. I don't know whether you've ever seen, um, and there was an in, uh, interview with David Goggins in, uh, on impact theory in the States and, uh, talking about the destiny kind of thing. He said he has a vision in his head of, you know, he dies one day, he goes up to heaven and then there's a, there's a board that shows him what he could have been. Oh. Looks at him and says, Ah, oh, if only I'd have tried. Look what I could have yeah. been. So, with that vision in his head, he pushes himself every single day to find out what else he's capable of and what else he can do because he doesn't want to get to the board and find out he could have been something more than he was able to achieve. That's a really nice so, thought. It's quite powerful, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It, again, it's all up to you. Yeah. Like, totally. do you really want to stand there and watch how your life could have been? Uh, that's that's really interesting. And just before we uh, we wrap up here, I'd be interested to get your your thoughts. Maybe three key things you'd say to any of the the, the people out there, the entrepreneurs, as 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 you called them before. Uh, anyone who's really thinking about, I want to do something different. What's the what are the the first few things? It's good suggestions you could put forward to anybody in that in that position. Yeah, so uh, the first thing is to watch my TED talk about ice swimming because I cover, uh, I cover yeah. the, the oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is that the, the first TED talk is about doing the impossible. Mm -hmm. And to many people, changing your life could seem to be um, impossible. And I just want to explain step by step how you can actually break down that particular thing into pieces that are quite possible. And by doing so, you will eventually see that everything you do is just a step-by-step -step process that will eventually lead you to, a, to the goal that you want to achieve. And it's the same thing with changing your life. Don't, don't say that you want to start your own business and then quit your job straight away and start your own business because that will probably not be a good thing to start with if you don't know how to run your business or how to reach your customers and so on and don't start building on something without knowing how to reach your customers that is something that i'd say over and over again to everybody i meet like okay great idea how will you reach your customers and if they're reply is I will just buy Facebook ads, then it will probably not fly. Of course you can buy Facebook ads, but in the beginning, you don't know enough about your customer. You don't know enough about uh, their expectations and their, their need of your product. So it will cost quite much money before you reach to the point where 
you pay one pound and you get two pounds back. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out a lot more before you can actually start doing ads. And that is what I'm talking about. How will you reach your first 10 customers? Don't think about the first 10,000 customers. Think about the first customer. And then how will that first customer make sure that 10 of his or her friends will know about your service because they just love it. That is how you should start building a great entrepreneurial change in your life. Mm -hmm. Really helpful advice, I think. You know, there's a lot of people out there selling the, the social media, selling dream of paid 10 pounds on Facebook ads and get loads of the people come and follow you. I think we had this conversation with, uh, uh, with, with another guest a couple of weeks ago who runs a digital marketing business. And, yeah. and you know, if you know what you're doing, you can get great returns from, from that kind of ad platform. But if you don't, yeah. you can spend an awful lot of money learning the hard way. Yeah, exactly. And you need to understand that from the beginning, the solution to get sales is not to buy customers. Mm -hmm. It's been fascinating. I, I'd, I'd love to keep keep talking and, and I'd also, you know, hopefully you'll come back and we can talk a bit more about the uh, the tools to do the impossible. I think that would be a great conversation uh, just in itself. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'd be glad to focus more on that topic because it's, it's uh, definitely uh, a topic itself and uh, something we can talk a lot about. Well, we'll make sure that we uh, make, we put a link to the, to the new book, Hacking Your Destiny. Yeah. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you again uh, in, the, in the very near future, hopefully. Lovely. I look forward to being back on the show soon again. Great. Cheers, Carl. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Cheers.